Hello ladies, my name is Anne and welcome to Ladies Alcove. So today marks our third episode on our very first virtual career fair and I'm super excited about today's podcast. A little bit about Vicky. In 2012, Vicky graduated from the University of Rochester with a Bachelor of Arts degree with a dual concentration in Health, Behavior, and Society and African American Studies. She also has a minor in women and gender studies. During her undergraduate studies, she spent the summer of 2011 interning with the University of Michigan School of Public Health Summer Enrichment Program, where she studied the health policy implications of the Affordable Care Act in relation to patient adherence to breast cancer screening and treatment. Also, In the fall of 2012, she continued her studies enrolling in Boston University School of Public Health, Master's of Public Health program, concentrating in community health, social, and behavioral sciences. During that time, under the leadership of Boston University faculty, she conducted health disparity research projects covering several disease focuses such as gestational diabetes and HIV. Upon completing her master's degree in 2014, she began working in Mount Sinai Hospital doing community-based participatory research, working with individuals suffering from chronic health conditions. In 2017, having garnered experience as a clinical researcher, she transitioned to Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center to work in their Center for Pancreatic Research. And in 2019, she transitioned to that same organization's Human Oncology Pathogenesis Program to support their translational research and education program. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Hi, Vicki. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Anne, for having me. I love what you're doing with this podcast. So happy to join. Of course. Can you tell us what your career is and then like the route that it takes to get to your path? Yeah. So um, currently I serve as a project manager um, at one of our hospitals here in New York City. Um, And I, my background academically, I am, I have my master's in public health. So public health is quite broad, right? It's obviously with the title, you know, it's health. There's something involved in health and what we do. But for me, the work that I do now, I help in um, supporting our translational research programs as well as our education programs in my hospital that I work for. Um, And with public health specifically, there's a lot of um, paths you can go on. So you can do... um, the health management and policy route where you can serve as an administrator. You can do um, the epidemiology route where COVID, with everything that's been happening, a lot of epidemiologists have been um, super busy trying to understand why the trends of the disease has been happening the way it is, like why certain areas tend to have um, more um, folks impacted versus others. And the rate, incidence versus prevalence, why it's more common in certain populations that have been impacted. So that's kind of what epi folks do. 
then you have biostatistics that are like the partners with the FB people looking at the numbers and trends and trying to um, formulate probability in um, one specific illness impacting a region versus another. Um, then you also have those that um, look at the community and how that impacts health. So that's pretty much my track on what I went. So when I did my master's in public health, I looked at um, community health and social and behavioral sciences. So understanding and doing research to understand what is happening in someone's environment that influences their health behaviors and health outcomes, right? And I did that type of work for quite some time, working in clinical research, studying different chronic illnesses. And then um, in 2017 is where when I transitioned to where I am now. So not looking at the traditional public health, but also looking at research and how we design our studies, how we develop our projects, working with inter the internal review board, which is a governing body that any um, institution that conducts research you have to have, where you're writing different research protocols, but making sure that you're running the programs ethically, right? Because history has shown, especially for specific populations, um, they can be preyed upon in regards to research. So the work that we do is just to reverse that, right? So we're looking at all of the systems in place, um, even from budgeting, who are sponsoring the projects? Are there any type of ethical things that we have to consider? And once you design the program, following through, managing the program, looking at um, metrics to see, hey, is your hypothesis being proven correct? Or if it's not, why is that the reason? And you can collaborate with a myriad of people. So I work in healthcare, but I'm working on the operation side of things and helping build the projects. But I'm working with scientists, with um, different clinicians as we come together with all of our expertise on the table. And ideally, we want to, big picture is help the patients, help the people impacted by said illnesses that we're looking at, right? So that's a quick synopsis about the work that I do. But hopefully that answered the question. Yeah, that answered the question really, really well. Like, I, I think you gave a huge picture of what um, public health looks like in different areas and you, you explain some of these things. So I actually learned a lot, which is, which is really, really cool. So um, in order for you to get to your master's in public health, how, like what type of degrees do you need in undergrad in order to even get to where you are right now? That's a really good question, right? So like in certain traditional fields, like, okay, with medicine, you have to take the subset of courses, right? But with public mm -hmm. health, that's actually not the case. Um, I know when I went to grad school, there were people from a myriad of backgrounds. There were people that were doctors that said, hey, I want to come back because I'm treating the patient clinically and understanding the disease. But I also need to understand what's going on in the community that influences these types of diseases, diseases that I'm treating, right? So you had doctors, you had people that worked in finance. So for myself, I, in undergrad, I got, I was a double major in our version of public health before we actually had a term for it. It was called health behavior and society. And my second major was in 
um, African studies and I minored in women's studies. So super broad, right? But mm -hmm. I knew that I in, was interested in healthcare, but I also was interested in culture and that how that influences how people exist in this world, right? And through that, I just was able to find different niches, um, mentors, different faculty members that I worked with that saw my interest and kind of guided me through the process and said, hey, based on what you're studying and the questions that you ask in lecture, I think public health might be a good route for you. And then through that, I did some internships at other institutions like University of Michigan um, in undergrad. And then that solidified, okay, I do want to go the public health route. So I went on to get my master's. So anyone and everyone can get a public health degree. Honestly, with COVID, I've seen like some makeshift um, epidemiologists or everyone being experts about mm -hmm. health and how to study disease. I'm like, uh, everyone, it should be required education that everyone at least take a public health course because mm -hmm. it really... Um, it allows people to be more insightful when they see health issues happening in the world. You're not just saying, oh, this person is sick, but you're looking at all of the context that influences diseases that we see happening and why certain communities are impacted over others. So, Yeah, that was really good. Mm -hmm. um, so can you describe what your day-to-day -day is like when you go to work and stuff like that, just to give an idea for other people? Yeah. Oh, I, that question is good because nothing is like typical. Right. Um, but an overall thing of what I do is like I help manage projects. So a lot of what I'm doing is meeting with different um, investigators. So principal investigators, they're typically different doctors that we work with on projects to say, um, talk about their needs, the goals that we've done and where we need to go forward helping in strategizing strategic planning um a lot of operations heavy stuff too on the research side of things and also sometimes looking at um, metrics and data and analyzing that and saying like hey is what we said we're going to do actually what we're doing right and metrics is a big thing in our field like data is like a science itself. So you can have an idea of what you think is happening, but the data actually informs your work, right? And it allows you to be held accountable. So a lot of that is, a lot of what I'll do is looking at the data um, on different projects that we're doing. And then a fun thing that I've been doing now outside of like public health, this is specific to where I work. Um, we've been trying to influence more um, the of the younger generation to get into STEM, to get into research. So I help manage programs like that too. So which is, and mentorship is something that I'm super passionate about um, because in outside of my work, I'm hev heavily involved in different ministries specific to youth and mentorship. And my colleagues saw that they said, hey, we want to build this aspect of our division. Would you be interested in leading that. And so that's been great to give back to like future healthcare folks, future researchers to say I'm mentoring the next generation and building programs to foster that as well. So it's like a mishigash of things. Some 
on Mondays and Wednesdays are meetings and operation stuff. Tuesday, Thursdays could be data. Fridays could be I'm working with students. So it's a broad spectrum, which I like because it's never predictable. And there's always a challenge there too. So That is dope, Vicky. That is so awesome. So you just talked a little bit about um, mentorship. Can you like expound a little bit on that? How does that look like? Any stories yeah. specifically? Oh, absolutely. Like I, I love mentorship. I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have a good mentor. So I'll give an example. Um, one of the programs that I help manage, which is like our mentorship program at our hospital. Um, one of my students, she came in and she was like, Hey, I, I know you've done health disparities research, even though I'm not doing it now. Um, in my current role, and she was interested in writing a senior thesis on um, COVID and why is it that certain communities specifically, because I'm here in New York City, like, you know, our brown, um, black and brown communities, they were impacted versus others and doing um, a data analysis on that, getting some public data and analyzing it. So for me, I'm actually meeting with her on Monday to go through the data that she looked at and helping um, refine her questioning about her research and guiding folks through the process. Because you say you're interested in something. And as a mentor, my hope is to foster that. So you bring a project to me. Let's see how we can work on it. And my goal is not to walk you through it and handhold you, but it's like, as you're thinking, how can I steer you in the right direction? How can I bring up questions that you haven't thought up, thought of in your project that can give you a ro more robust understanding of the work that you're doing? Um, so that's like in a formal way, but me mentorship comes in different levels. It can be, hey, let's say I met someone at a ne networking event and they're interested in um, public health too, keeping them accountable. Hey, you're interested in public health. How are you getting into the field? Here are some talks that you could listen to, right? Um, but helping them guide them through the process because each one reach one and teach one. That's like my model. So if I'm doing something and there's someone younger um, that says that they're interested in it, how can I bring them into the fold and give them exposure because that's what I received, which is why I'm in my career and doing what I am doing now. Because I had someone that saw that I was interested and helped guide me through the process. So as much as I have, like, you know, the professional experience and the background, a lot of what I do now is because I had a mentor that taught me how to do it. And also finding people that look like you. Because mentorship is important, but especially when you have people that come from similar backgrounds as you, they can refine how they mentor you, right? Um, so when I was in grad school, I worked with um, a woman who's a pediatrician. She was a Haitian doctor, and she was also interested in like health disparities and why is it that um, our youth are getting diagnosed at higher rates with like diabetes, like children getting diagnosed with diabetes but specifically Haitian children, because I went to um, grad school in Boston, and that's a huge place where there's a whole bunch of Haitians, right? Wow. But she is Haitian, and I am Haitian. The way we conducted our research, asking specific questions was culturally relevant to the, pop the population that we're serving. But 
I sought her out as a mentor because I was like, hey, you come from a similar community as I do. I want to study under you because I want to be intentional about my work, right? So not only as a mentor, you're seeking out people that you see an interest in them and you want to help them, but as a mentee, right? Your role is to look for people that are aligned with you as far as career, maybe even values, because you want to get the most out of the experience. Because not everyone knows how to mentor, right? Whether they just say, oh, let me just tell this person what to do. But it's like, no, you want them to have an informed experience so they could really understand the work, right? So trying to find ways that you connect with someone and following through with them and talking to them and even when you're past the mentee stage going back and seeing how can you help the next generation too is super important so yeah yeah okay that was really awesome vicky and the thing is i didn't even know that um our like haitian children had a high rate of getting diabetes yeah and let me be specific because i don't want to like you know um skew like what i'm saying so specific Mm -hmm. to the patients that she was serving right Mm -hmm. she kept on seeing a trend like they are getting type 2 diabetes is what you see in adults but you also have to look at the hospital that she served the community that she's serving are patients from lower socioeconomic statuses so their parents don't have access to the best of um resources in regards to like nutrition like they're eating more Mm -hmm. processed foods and because she is a doctor who happens to be Haitian many immigrants in that community that are Haitian will likely go to her right so it's I don't want to make a generalization that all Haitian kids are getting diabetes not at all but because contextually she's serving a higher amount of patients from that background Um, It could be generally that um, children of that demographic, socioeconomic status are at a higher risk, but she specifically saw that trend within that cultural reference, right? So hence why she's like, okay, something is up. We need to do something about it. So it's not as though all Haitian children are getting diabetes, but she saw this trend within her patient population, so... Thanks for the clarification. It makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to say. Oh my gosh, all the Haitians are getting diabetes. No, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want people to come for me, right? Yeah, right. Oh my goodness. So, you you gave a very good um, picture of what you do and the things that you see and research and stuff like that. So, I know you talked about it a little bit. But maybe you could go into more detail if, you know, there's more to the story. So what provoked your desire to be in in the field and how did the journey look like? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, my, my background, like I am a living testament of when public health is done the right way. When I look at my family, I didn't know that's what it was, but, um, so let's think about the beginning. Who it's been a minute. Um, but in high school, I was a part of a STEM program. So these are kids that are interested in science, health, and we would take classes at the local medical school here in Brooklyn. 
And I remember one of our instructors, because even though we're learning about anatomy, physiology, all that, there was an instructor who had his master's in public health. And I was like, oh, what is that? Um, I've never heard of public health because it was definitely not popular then. And he shared with us what public health was about. And this is this, this black man, right? So that's the, that's the other thing I want to highlight. Seeing yourself in someone that is doing something that you're interested that you might be interested in. So like um, having that connection. So I spoke to him a bit about it and I was like, okay, but never thought about it at that time. Cause like, you know, growing up Haitian, being a woman, oh, automatically you have to be a nurse, right? So I thought like my route was like, okay, I'm gonna be a nurse or a doctor. Um, so went into college and did the whole pre-med route. And I wasn't passionate about it. Like, I enjoy science, but I was like, oh, chemistry 101, it is what it is. But I didn't really like it as much. And then my undergrad where I went had a public health class. And I took it and I was like, okay, this is it for me because it made sense. I didn't want to just look at the science behind disease, but everything else that impacted disease because my community, I come from inner city, immigrant um, neighborhood. So many people are sick. You don't, you don't see like the Whole Foods. You're going to see like the local, you know, corner stores and bodegas. And that's where people are getting their food from. And then you're growing up seeing people having their legs cut off because they have diabetes and all of these things. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Why is this considered normal? Right? And that class, in college, freshman year, is it? that's when it all clicked. It made sense. It connected what I learned in high school by that um, guest lecture. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is more my speed. Um, so I dropped, like I took, I dropped my chemistry class and I went full in, in all of like the public health classes that I could take. Um, and I really enjoyed it because I'm understanding the health, but I'm also understanding how politics influence health outcomes right? How um, economics influence health outcomes, how access influences health outcomes, right? And yeah, so I just am super passionate about this because our communities, we just think being sick is normal. We don't see how racism influences our health, right? Um, and not just the stress of racism, but health outcomes, health disparity, you go to a doctor and you say you're in pain and they look at you if you're a black person and they're like, oh, well, you have a high, higher tolerance. No, that's due to race. That's due to prejudice. That's due to politics. Um, or you having these chronic health issues and you don't know why, but you're not realizing that the stress of the environment, you're not understanding nutrition and how to eat right, all of that influences your health. So it allows us to not blame the patient, but look at the community in relation to the patient's illness and why are they sick. Um, and then on the research side of things, it's like you're looking at health outcomes, but you're also looking at trends across communities right? Because that also informs how we then create different um, health decisions that we make. If we're looking at the data, the data will inform how clinicians treat their patients, right? You look at disease um, with COVID, 
I don't want to get political, but like with um, understanding COVID and understanding vaccinations, like all of that science matters, research matters. And I really, I've always been this person, even as a kid, I question everything. Like I don't take everything at face value. And what I love about my career in public health, you have to constantly question what you see. When you're looking at data, when you're looking at, you're reading an article or you're Um, reading a patient's chart, you're questioning everything. What led them to what we're seeing now? So, yeah, and through that, um, always questioning, finding different mentors. Um, I was able to do that program at University of Michigan, and that was a really good time for public health because the Affordable Care Act happened, where people that typically wouldn't have access to health care we're now getting access to healthcare. And how is that influencing the trends of um, diagnosis that we see? Because now people are going to be able to get diagnosed more with certain health issues that they hadn't in the past, but then also accessing um, health in the sense of, hey, they have diagnosis, but they also have access to treatment. And maybe they also have access to resources to promote healthier behaviors, right? So over time, how will it impact society in general? Um, And I love that. And then through that, um, going on to graduate school and now working in what I do, I'm constantly being able to question things, understand health and being an informed patient myself because of the work that I do, right? So, yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. That was yeah. that was really good. I mean, I keep saying that, but know, it really was good. good. Like I could talk about this for hours. Like you're allowing me to nerd out on the work that I do and I'm super passionate about it. So, yeah. That's awesome. So, how does your career fulfill a part of your purpose or your calling? This these are good questions. So, let's talk about what my purpose is, right? Being a woman of faith, I love Jesus. Um, I really see my work as being in the mission field, right? And um, God has enabled us to have health, hopefully, right? And the work that I do, I'm able to help people in the traditional sense of like, okay, creating programs and projects that can help them in the long term in regards to whatever ailments that they have. But my purpose is to help others, but to be a light in this world, right? And I'm able to do that, whether it's with the projects that I build, like the research projects or with the mentorship, I'm able to be a light and um, help others in and pointing them to better themselves, better their communities, empower them to do that, Um So I'm just like a mere vessel. Like I'm not here pastoring or like quoting scripture, but just how I relate with people, how I advocate for um, the work that I do, the communities that I serve. Um, I'm just able to be a vessel and be a light. And my faith is what motivates me to do the work that I do. Because oftentimes in public health, you deal with a lot of politics, with research, you deal with a lot of politics, you can easily get in the weeds of things. But because I'm a person of faith, it informs me to constantly to push forward, um, press towards the mark, right? That's set before me. So 
Yeah. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And I think that's a good perspective to have, especially like sometimes, I, I mean, I can only speak for me. Um, you're busy doing the work and you forget what you're doing what you're doing and the purpose of why you're doing it. So that's a really good perspective that you're mingling your faith with how you're doing your work mm -hmm. to serve people. That's, that's, that was a good one. A good nugget for me to take, especially mm -hmm. tomorrow as I go to work. <laughs> yeah. And I'm telling you like being a per person of faith, like working in this field, you could easily be jaded. You could really, you could easily be jaded, healthcare in general, but like with public health, you can easily be jaded because you look at numbers and you're like, oh, we're all doomed, right? But it's mm -hmm. like, no, we have a hope, right? And our hope is what steers us. Our, my faith is what steers me. My faith is also what steers me when I'm dealing with those dicey situations. I'm like, no, think of the bigger picture. You are here to serve, right? You are able you are able to just be a mere vessel. So allow that to inform how you interact with people on the day-to-day -day and the work that you do, or even the projects that you try to build. Like, yes, you have goals, strategic plans, but no, I am here to be a vessel, right? And imagine if all of us, if we're, we're talking about public health, but if anyone, the baggery, um, the grocery bag person at the court, um, at the market, or the highest of highest doctors, imagine if they had that mindset: "I'm here to serve. I'm here to be a vessel to do God's work." We would be in a much better place, right? So I try to be informed and allow that to be my compass to guide me to do like my God-given purpose. So yeah. Girl, you better preach. That was really good. <laughs> so now for the big question. You know, nowadays people are overworking, um, really tired. So how is the work-life work balance for you? Oh, girl, you're coming here to snatch my edges. Um, I'm not good at that. I'm going to tell you honestly right now. I, I have been struggling with work-life balance. Um, because you can get so caught up and sometimes everything is so urgent, right? And I, I'm a work in progress <laughs> when it comes to that. Um, you've, honestly, I'll tell on myself this morning before we met, I was looking at emails for work, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's not okay um, to do that. And I have to remember that I can't be everything all the time. Like, you need to rest right? And if I don't rest, I won't be my best self to do the work that I'm passionate about. So, um, yeah, I, my, <laughs> my therapist is always saying like, girl, you need to get it together and not do this. So, um, I, I have been, I've been a, in a season recently where I have been burnt out, if I'm going to be honest with you. So the work-life balance for me, I'm not doing that great at the greatest at it, but at least I'm aware of it, right? So like this coming week I work and then I go on vacation for a week. So I have to, you have to be intentional. The same way I plan the work that I'm doing and the projects, I also have to insert time to say, hey, Vicky, no, close your laptop. There's nothing else that you can do, right? Because we want our minds to be renewed and refreshed to do the work. Um, advice that I would give that I need to take myself is um, setting better boundaries with work, right? 
Um, so only being available when you are available, nine to five, if you're able to do that. So or eight to six, um, don't be like me and answering emails on the weekend. Don't do that. Um, because you have a life. Yes, I'm passionate about this work, but my work, this work is not my life though, right? My greater purpose is to live a full life. So, um, being better at boundaries and also understanding you can't do everything. So if you are able to be afforded a team, reach out to your team because um, you want everyone else to grow too, right? So yeah, I need to do better when it comes to work-life balance, work in progress for sure. Is that struggle something that you think that is prevalent in your field? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Because if I get into the weeds, like, oftentimes you're working on projects that are grant funded, right? And grant funding means like you have a specific timeline of when you can do the work. So everything is pressing. And um, it's to my field, but I honestly, it's to our culture. We're in America, right? Where everything is go, go, go. And we need things now, now, now. So the Western world in general, we don't do a good job with work-life balance, I would say. Um, we need to do a better job in taking moments of rest to refresh. So I wouldn't say it's unique to my, it's prevalent in my field, but I wouldn't say it's unique to my field. I think it's just how we've been socialized and conditioned as a and society. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Vicky, for being a part of this project. I really enjoyed your insight, your passion. I could feel it. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I hope that whoever listens to the um, this episode feels your passion and maybe you can inspire other people to, you know, get into that field. You know, that's yeah. that's the whole purpose of this whole thing. So thank you so much for sharing oh, and for being here and being present and all of that. Oh, no, thank you so much. Um, yes, I hope this inspires people to learn more about public health. Um, even taking a course, you don't have to get an MPH, like a master's, but really being informed on um, public health changes lives, honestly. I, and I am grateful that I'm able to do work that I know that's really making an impact. And there you have it, ladies. I'll see you next time on the next episode. Bye.